faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman is in his guise of Clark Kent. As with Candy Myers, Inspector Lansing, and a party of Scotland Yard men, he stands in a half-water-filled diving bell a mile beneath the surface of the sea, when suddenly it begins to move downward again. Hey, we're moving again. Quiet, Candy. Don't let the men in the underseas kingdom know there's any sign of life up here. What's the idea, Kent? They're taking the bell down because they think it's filled with water and that we've drowned. I get it. And when we get down there, we give them what for, eh? Right, Inspector. Now, get set for action. Today, gang, I want to tell you something about scapegoating, which may be described as the art of making someone or something to blame so that the real culprit may go free. This idea began way back in the days of primitive civilization and worked something like this. Let's say an epidemic of cholera broke out in a tribe where sanitation and medical science were totally lacking. As usual, in cases like this, the people turned to the medicine men. They, in turn, lacking in the knowledge necessary to treat the disease, must think of something that will not reveal their helplessness. So they decide that angry, evil demons have cursed the people with an evil plague, and they swing into action. Drums begin to beat out a monotonous rhythm. The priests parade and dance wildly as they chant. Then they pull their prize stunt. They seize a young goat and, painting it red, proceed to drive it around the village, chanting and screaming as they run, in the hope that by so doing, they will drive the cholera demons into the body of the unfortunate goat and thus save themselves from death. Finally, the terrified animal, pelted with stones, dies of multiple wounds and exhaustion, and the people, stupidly, believe that they are now forever rid of the disease. That gang is the origin of scapegoating, the attempt of an ignorant people to load their troubles on an innocent creature. Silly, isn't it? Of course it is. And yet that same ridiculous business of scapegoating is practiced today all over the world where human beings are the goats. You don't believe it? Well, just wait. In a little while, I'll tell you more. And now, the adventures of Superman. After tricking the inmates of a fantastic underseas hideout for wanted criminals into sending their ingenious diving bell to the surface, Clark Kent, Candy Myers, and a group of Scotland Yard men headed by Inspector Lansing climbed in and gave the signal to be drawn down. But, tipped off by one of their number who had come up with the bell, the criminals waited until it was halfway down, a mile under the surface, then stopped it and opened the hatch to let in the sea so that Kent and his party would be drowned. In the resulting confusion, Kent managed to go into action, and as Superman forced the hatch closed. Now, confident that all those in the diving bell are dead, the criminals are bringing it back down to their hideout under the ocean floor. 
long does it take for this tin can to reach the bottom? Yeah, not long. We're almost there now, Candy. I say, old man. Please, Inspector, keep your voice down. Yeah. We want to make like we're dead, see? Yeah, yeah, of course, sorry. What happens when we hit the bottom, I wonder? The bell slips into a lock built into the roof of the Underseas Kingdom. When it's in all the way, a watertight seal is created. Then the bottom opens, and there you are. Extraordinarily ingenious, what? And how? Say, how do you know all this, Kent? Huh? Some more of that X-ray vision stuff you were giving us once? Why, yes, Candy. Oh, now, look. My word. What was that? We've hit the bottom. The bell's sliding into its lock. Oh, boy, it won't be long now. Quiet, everybody. Don't want to spoil the surprise. Oh, baby, and what a surprise this is going to be. Slowly, the bottom of the huge steel bell yawns open. And as the occupants hold onto a handrail, the water pours out. Then, even before the drainage is complete, Candy Myers releases his hold and drops into a high stone-walled and stone-floored room, mysteriously illuminated with an eerie glow. He is closely followed by Inspector Lansing and his men, and Kent arrives a split second later to find them staring in amazement at the empty chamber. Hey, there's nobody here. My word, this is strange. I guess we don't write a reception committee. Well, they must be around someplace, so let's go get them. Oh, wait. <coughs> think I know. Ken, my... What's the matter, Inspector? I, I don't know. I... What's going what, 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 with all of you? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel usedly queer. <coughs> Inspector! Ken, I... I... Great Scott, they, they both passed out. The others are dropping like flies, too. I wonder what... Uh-oh. I know now. Those rats turned off the air in here. It's beginning to get me, too. Well, this is a job for Superman. And it had better be done soon, or it'll be too late. Breathing with great difficulty in the airless atmosphere of the underground chamber, Superman strips off his street clothes. Then, working against time as his lungs strain for the absent oxygen, he throws himself again and again at a heavy oaken door. Not much time or... Strength left. I gotta do it this time. No! Who's that? He's busted down the door. All right, boys, your party's over. Put down those guns. Oh, listen, Tom, let him have it. Oh, give it to me. Don't waste your ammunition. All right, you've had your fun. Now it's my turn. Oh, you want to play, huh? All right, let's go. One, two, so just to play safe in case any of us, uh, I mean any of you were still alive, they shut off the air in that entrance chamber and locked themselves in here. The rats. Uh, but they certainly seem to have got what was coming to them. And how? What a going over you gave those babies, Superman. I'm sorry I missed it. Oh, my. By the way, old boy, how did you happen to get here? Just on time, too. Well, uh... <laughs> That's the question he never answers, Inspector. <laughs> so don't bother to... Hey, where's Kent? Oh, don't worry about him. He's around somewhere. Good. And now that we got these chaps trussed up, I suggest we proceed to find Higginson and Sir Alfred. Wait, there's a man coming toward us. Uh-oh, another one of those crooks. Get your hands up, you. Uh, put, put your gun down, my head. What? That's Sir Alfred Milgridge. Uh, hello, you chaps. Hello, Sir Alfred. Good to see you again. How are you, sir? Splendid, old man. Splendid. 
Oh, it's quite a treat to see you again, Inspector. Particularly when I'd rather given up hope of ever regaining freedom, you know. We're all happy to have been able to arrange this rescue. By the way, may I present Mr. Candy Myers, an American private detective who's responsible for finding the clues that led us here? Uh, hiya. Uh, glad to know you, your, uh, your lordship. My pleasure, Mr. Myers, I assure you. I can't tell you how grateful I am for all you've done. Ah, uh, Superman's the guy you really owe the thanks to, if any. If not for him, we'd all be dead pigeons by now. Uh, quite right, old man. Sir Alfred, I'd like you to meet... I, I say, where is Superman? Uh-oh, he's done his quick fade-out act again. <laughs> well, that's just like him. Uh, by the way, what about John Higginson? Where is he? Oh, poor John's a bit under the weather. You see, he was forced to install the air system here, and when they ordered him to turn it off in the reception chamber so that they could make certain you were not alive, he refused. So they gave him the works, huh? Yes, that's about it. Well, they'll get theirs. What's up, Candy? Oh, Chad, where have you been? Oh, looking around. Hey, I see the Underseas Kingdom gang is nicely trussed up. Yes, thanks to Superman. Who is this gentleman, Inspector? Oh, I'm sorry. Sir Alfred Mogridge, this is Clark Kent, an American newspaper man. He had much to do with helping us track down this place. Happy to meet you, Sir Alfred. I'm delighted, Mr. Kent. Uh, Would the rest of your chaps get have a look at this place? Well, that must wait until I see to the loading of these criminals into the diving bell. You know, for the trip up. Yeah, I'd better give you and your men a hand with that, Inspector. We can look around later. There's no hurry. You chaps run along. Kent and I will go on and see Higginson. Very well. Come along, Myers. Get behind you, Inspector. Mr. Kent, I can't begin to tell you what it means to me and to Higginson, too, to have been found. I can well imagine, Sir Alfred. Now, if you'll come with me... Hey, Kent! Hey, Kent! Uh Uh-oh, now what? Hey, Kent! Come here, quick! Sounds a bit troubled. What's up, Candy? That's the the diving pedal. Well, what about it? it? It's gone. Gone? Yeah. Gone. The lock is empty. For a brief moment, Clark Kent stares unbelievingly at Candy Myers. Then, galvanizing into action, he rushes out to where a moment before the steel diving bell had rested and sees only an empty lock. What happens now? We'll know in a moment when we return for the exciting climax of today's episode. So, stand by. A little while ago, gang, I told you that scapegoating is the attempt of ignorant people to blame all their troubles on some innocent creature. And I showed you how this was first done among primitive tribes. But today, scapegoating is far more serious and far more brutal because it involves not goats, but human beings. You see, way back in ancient times, wicked rulers discovered they could fool the people and keep themselves in power by using the primitive idea of scapegoating. That is, blaming all the people's troubles on innocent groups. So it was that Nero, when he was emperor of ancient Rome, made the first Christians his scapegoats when, after setting fire to the city of Rome, he said the Christians did it. Then, while the furious people murdered the innocent Christians, the real criminal, Nero, sat tight and went on oppressing the Romans. Using the same vicious trickery, Hitler fooled the German people by blaming all their troubles on one group after another. First, those of the Jewish religion were his scapegoats, then leaders of the Catholic and Protestant churches. And the German people made the fatal mistake of swallowing Hitler's lie, a mistake resulting in the wrecking of Germany. Now, history proves that scapegoating always boomerangs and hurts most the people who fall for it. Just as the destruction of a goat by the primitive tribe didn't get rid of a plague, so killing the Christians didn't save the Romans from Nero's tyranny, and attacking religions didn't save the Germans from the madness of Hitler. So be on the alert against scapegoating. Don't swallow rumors and accusations against other people without first questioning the truth. Remember, blaming the other fellow for your own troubles is like shooting off a faulty gun. It always backfires. (laughs) 
now, back to the adventures of Superman. In the underseas kingdom, two miles below the surface of the Atlantic Ocean, Clark Kent, Candy Myers, and Inspector Lansing have just discovered that the huge steel diving bell, only means of entering or leaving the fantastic submarine hideout, is gone. See, Kent, it's gone. Listen, do you hear a motor hum? Yes. That means it's on its way up. How did it get away? Who took it up? One of the criminals who wasn't with the others when I, uh, when Superman knocked them out. The bounder. Oh, wait a minute. The controls are down here. That's right. We can reverse the motors and bring it... Don't waste your time, choppers. Ah, who's that? It's the man in the diving bell. That's right. Don't bother reversing the motors. Because if you do, I'll cut the cables and shoot to the top anyhow. He's right. He can do that. Why, he's bluffing. He won't do it. Oh, no. Try me and see. And if you force me to cut the cables, you guys are stuck down there forever. My word. Yeah, and if we don't stop him, he'll get to the top point a gun at our seaplane pilot and make him take off. That's right, by Joe. That would, that would leave us stranded, too. But good. Also, there's no guarantee that he won't cut the cables anyhow as soon as he gets to the top. Jumping Jemima, I never thought of that. So now it looks as if, either way, we're trapped. <laughs> Yes, gang, it looks as if this time fate has dealt our friends a mortal blow. Because even though Superman can save himself by tearing his way out through the rock walls of the kingdom under the sea, how can he manage to save the others from certain death by drowning? Tomorrow's episode tells a dramatic story, filled with suspense and packed with action, so don't miss it. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station, for the concluding chapter of Kingdom Under the Sea on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Captain Midnight, which follows in just a moment. And This is a mutual broadcasting system. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, still in his guise of Clark Kent, is with private detective Candy Myers and Scotland Yard Inspector Lansing in a vault-like room of the fantastic kingdom under the sea, where they have just found themselves trapped with no means of exit. What will we do, Kent? What will we do? Easy, Candy. Don't lose your head. Now, that's easy to say, but you know the diving bell is the only way to get out of this place. Yes, but and I now still... it's gone. We're liable to stay down here forever. Inspector Lansing's right. We're going to stay here till we rot. 
Maybe not. What? Huh? What do you mean? I've got an idea. Come on, follow me. Down through the ages, history and science tell us, the peoples of the Earth always suffered an adventurous sort of wanderlust that made them travel all over the globe. But it always took great courage and stamina for them to go where no human being had ever been before, to speak in places that had never heard a human voice, and to walk on Earth that had never felt a human footstep. America was once a place like that. Our own country was once a land on which there was nothing human. There were only animals, insects, reptiles, and birds. And then one day, people came. No one knows just how people got here. Some think they came from the land we now call Siberia, and it's a good guess that they crossed over from Siberia to America on the ice. You see, the Bering Straits, which is the water that separates Siberia from Alaska, has been known to freeze hard enough so that people can walk all the way across from one land to another. So these people, who were strong enough and brave enough to come over the ice, became the first human beings to set foot on the continent of America. Thousands of years later, Columbus came here and found those people whom he called Indians. Those Indians were the first Americans. Well, that gang means that technically all modern Americans except Indians are foreigners. Because everybody else came here from other lands after the Indians were already here. But actually all of us from all countries and of all colors and religions, no matter when our ancestors happen to come here, are Americans. Because America is our home the home of the brave, and the land of the free. Let's keep it that way. And now, the adventures of Superman. After tricking their way into the fantastic hideout for criminals under the floor of the ocean, Candy Myers, Inspector Lansing, and his squad of Scotland Yard men were rendered unconscious when the air was shut off from the room into which they entered. But Clark Kent, as Superman, smashed open a door and subdued the band of criminals. Then they found John Higginson, an American scientist, and Sir Alfred Mogridge, a famous British physician, both of whom were being held prisoner. They were about to return to the giant flying boat that waited on the surface to take them and their catch back to London when Candy Myers discovered that one of the criminals whom they had overlooked had gone up with the diving bell. And since that was the only means of exit, Candy is certain this is the end. Let's face it, men, we're cooked, but good. I'm afraid you're right, Myers. Now, wait. If you two will stop being so busy giving up, I'll tell you how I think we can beat this situation. Huh? Are you serious, Ken? Of course I am. Well, for Pete's sake, man, give. What's cooking in your noggin? Come with me, and I'll show you. There we are. Now, look at that. What's that? Jumping Jemima, a torpedo tube. That's right. I w- what would a torpedo tube be doing down here? Well, I'm not sure, but my well, guess is... Well, what's the difference? It's here. But where does it get us? Look, the shell case of a torpedo is big enough to hold me. So we take the warhead off one of them, I get in the case, you place it in the tube, and then you shoot me out, see? Are you nuts? Why, you'll be killed, man. Nonsense. I tell you, this is a perfectly workable and reasonably safe idea. Now, come on, let's get to work on one of these torpedoes. Shell's properly placed in the firing tube and all set to go. Now, 
As soon as I crawl in, Candy, you screw the cap back on, close the tube door, and fire. Now, wait a minute. I still think the whole idea is wacky. But, but I... if anybody's going to take a chance on it, it'll be me. Oh, now, look. Not people... on your life, old man. I insist on taking the risk personally. Well, for... After your all, Your father's I... mustache. Out of my way. No, no, Candy. The concussion will be too much for either of you. Yeah? What makes you so concussion-proof? You ain't Superman, oh, you know. All right, now, wait a minute. We're wasting precious time with all this Alphonse and Gaston stuff. There's only one way to settle this. Here. Here's a piece of string, Inspector. Break it into three lengths and hold them in your hand. Whoever draws the longest one gets the job, okay? So, there he's sporting. Now, remember, Kent, no reneging. If I get the longest string, you won't try to talk me out of it. Well, of course not, Candy. Here we are. Now, who draws first? Let me ask. Well, since this was my idea, I'll draw first. And this is it. Okay, now let me draw one. Wait, no use either of us drawing, Myers. Huh? Why? Because Kent's drawn the longest one by Joe. Oh, Jumpin' Jemima, he gets the brass ring first try. Better luck next time. Well, here I go into the shell. So long, fellas. See you soon. So long. And good luck. Best, old man. Very best. Thanks. Okay, close it up now. And let her go. Maybe he'd have a fit if he knew I deliberately took the long string, which I could see in Lansing's hand. I had to do it because this is a job for Superman. Now, oh, they're all set now. Here I go. Jammed into the narrow confines of the torpedo shell, Superman waits only until the missile is propelled through its tube and into the ocean. Then, smashing the strong metal case as if it were an eggshell, the Man of Steel streaks up through the icy waters and out into the sky. There he hovers, suspended for a moment, until his keen eyes spot the diving bell as it surfaces. Then, like a red and blue rocket, he plummets down to the hatch atop the huge metal sphere. Now to open this hatch and surprise that thug inside the bell. Who and what to you, brother? Move over, you're getting company. Now, you stay where you are. Put that gun down. Now, you stay where you are and shoot. Don't waste your bullets. All right, are you satisfied? Now, put it down. Now, now! Well, you're being a nuisance, I, fella. I hear I put you I to sleep you. like this. Sorry to be so rough, but it couldn't be helped. Now, I'd better get on that intercom phone and report to Candy as Clark Kent. Ahoy, the Underseas Kingdom! Ahoy, the Underseas Kingdom! Clark Kent reporting. Hold me down! Lowered to the underseas hideout, Superman, again in his guise of Clark Kent, is enthusiastically received by his friends. And a short time later, he and Candy Myers, together with John Higginson, Sir Alfred Mogridge, Inspector Lansing, and his men, load the manacled criminals into the diving bell. Rising once more to the surface, they board the huge RAF flying boat and take off for London. In the plane, Higginson tells them about the city under the sea. But what gets me, Mr. Higginson, is how did those crooks get wise to the Underseas Kingdom? Well, during a visit to London, Masterson, the man who discovered it, met a man named Burton. Oh, yes, Cecil Burton. Unfortunately, spoke too much. And uh, this Burton chap forced him to find the place? Yes, Inspector. Burton financed the search, and holding Masterson prisoner, forced him, practically at gunpoint, to engineer the drilling of an entrance and the installation of the diving bell. My word. Then when Masterson contracted pneumonia and died... Burton had me abducted and forced me to install air conditioning, artificial lightning, and so forth, and using the power of the sea to drive turbines. Oh, brother, what a story I've got for the Daily Planet. I can hardly wait to tell Jim Olsen about this. 
Within a few hours, the seaplane puts down near London. Candy and Kent take leave of their friends. Hopping a taxi, go directly to the hospital where they had left Jimmy Olsen to recover from Burton's attempt to poison him. But to their surprise, they were told that the cub reporter had checked out the night before, leaving a note for Kent. Outside, Candy waits anxiously as Kent rips an envelope open. Funny, I can't understand why Jim would leave before we got back. Well, hurry up and read that note. Okay. Well, I'll be... What is it, Kent? Get this. Jim is sore because we went off and left him. Don't tell me he went back to Metropolis alone. That's exactly what he did do, Candy. He took off on the clipper this morning. Oh, boy. You are marked strictly from hunger with that kid from now on. Oh, no. I'll explain to him. He'll understand. Yeah, by the time you get back there, he'll be burning like a three-alarm fire. No. I'll be there to meet him when he arrives. That'll cool him off a bit. You'll be there to... Hey, how are you traveling? By rocket? Well, something like that. So long, Candy. See you soon. Hey, Kent. Hey, where are you going? Hey! Ducking into a stream of traffic, Kent is soon out of Candy's sight. Then, strolling into a secluded alley, he strips off his street clothes and, as Superman, rockets up into the sky. Seconds later, the Man of Steel is hurtling out over the Atlantic Ocean, bound for Metropolis. And a shocking surprise that spells great danger to him personally. In just a moment, we'll know what it is when we return for the startling climax of today's story. So stand by. Suppose you were walking down the street one day, gang, and you heard this. Well, naturally, you'd turn around to see what glabber gal rated the wolf call, wouldn't you? And about the last thing you'd expect to see is a 350-pound cute cookie. But suppose that's exactly what you'd see. Bet you'd turn to the guy who whistled and say, I don't want her, you can have her, she's too fat for me. But if you happen to be visiting a certain African tribe, you'd soon discover that these people think that the fatter a girl is, the more beautiful she is. That's right. The native boys would sneer at one of our movie glamour girls and say, I don't want her, you can have her, she's too thin for me. Now, that only proves that different people have different ideas of what's glamorous. That's why the Indians in America took one look at the early settlers and pityingly called the white men pale faces. On the other hand, the white men thought the other races looked peculiar on first seeing them. So, you see, gang, your idea of good looks depends on where you live. Noses are too flat or too pointed, hair too curly or too straight, figures too fat or too thin, all depending on what you're used to. But as you get to know people, you learn how unimportant these outward differences are. After all, when you size up a fellow, it isn't the color of his skin or the shape of his nose or the width of his waistline that counts. It's his character, his sincerity and sportsmanship that really go down deep. That's why they all agree that character is the only thing that counts. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Arriving back in Metropolis, ahead of the clipper bearing Jimmy Olsen, Superman, again in his guise of reporter Clark Kent, decides to go first to his apartment to freshen up and change his clothes. But as he walks into his bedroom, he sees something that makes his blood turn momentarily to ice. Great Scott! What, what happened here? Quickly, he strides to the open door of a secret closet built in his wall. And when he looks inside, his face pales. Oh, no. If if this is what I think it is, 
I'm in serious trouble. Almost running to the telephone near his bed, he dials a number with nervous fingers. And when a voice at the other end answers, Kent blurts out. Bruce, Batman, this is Kent. Yes, I, I'm in a bad spot, Bruce. I need your help badly. Please come over here. Right away. What has happened that has so upset the Man of Steel? You'll find out tomorrow, gang, when we bring you the first suspenseful episode of a new and exciting story. So don't miss it. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station, for chapter one of a thrilling new story on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Captain Midnight, which follows in just a moment. And right after Captain Midnight, you will hear Tom X and his Ralston Straight Shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, a good, albeit annoying, teaser for the next story. It's good in that uh, Superman being this panic uh, definitely makes you wonder, particularly in the story where he's kept such a cool head with all that's been going on. But you know from listening to this that this has got to be big trouble. And listening to the recent performance of Batman on this series, you know it's got to be desperate if he's calling for Batman. Overall, I think the story manages to have a few really good uh, tricks and a lot for Superman to do, though it does depend a little bit more than I would like on uh, Superman's friends. Incredibly dense. Um, I also was somewhat uh, disappointed we didn't spend more time in the Kingdom Under the Sea. Maybe Search for Kingdom Under the Sea would be a better title, but I really like some of the super feats that they pulled off here. James Lawn says uh, of SupermanHomePage.com is a little bit less a fan of the story than I am. He cites uh, slow pacing. And the fact the story doesn't seem to get going till it meets Cecil uh, Burton. Um, and he does complain about Candy Myers getting hysterical. Uh, and But I think the only reason that happened was that Batman wasn't around. Um, and he also thought the villain that uh, it really did lack a strong central villain. And you're right. I mean, I, I will concede that point. Particularly, you know, you get to the final one, and the villain is defined as just the person who has been uh, sending the message on the diving bell. And he also, uh, like me, did not like the fact that uh, the way the kingdom under the sea um, is uh, really set up. And th these are fair points. Still, I found myself enjoying it. Uh, overall. Well, as I've mentioned last episode, this is our 900th episode. So where does that leave us for the rest of the Superman series? Well, with some of the double episodes we'll end up doing like today, I estimate we'll need 59 more weeks to wrap the series up. At least the serials. 
And then we'll, after that, we'll have 14 weeks of uh, self-contained half-hour stories. So we've got a long ways to go. And by the time it's all said and done, we'll have done more than a 1,000 podcast episodes and more than 10 years on this particular podcast. But thank you to everyone who has listened so far. And keep on listening. As I said, a lot ahead. In the meantime, send your comments to adam at adamsweb.us. Be sure and rate the show on iTunes. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.